Inside Chicago Government. ShyGov.com. Welcome to another in a series of interviews with Ben Jarofsky. I'm Dave Glowetz. Ben writes on government and politics for the Chicago Reader. He's here with me today. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, David. Today we're talking about your article that appeared in the Reader on April 3rd, 2014, titled Alderman Advance Rom's South Loop Plan Without Analyzing It First. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good headline. It kind of sums it all up. In the article, you write about how the Chicago City Council still has not created its Office of Financial Analysis, which it approved last December. Ben, you also wrote how in March, the city council, lacking this analysis office, voted to divert $55 million in tax increment financing to buy land at the east end of Cermak Road near McCormick Place, intended for a new 1,200-room hotel, which I'd like to add is just north of an existing hotel built for McCormick Place. <laughs> McCormick Place <laughs> is going into the hotel business with your property tax dollars. Well, you know, that's a legitimate part of the convention business. Those people need to stay somewhere. Right? That, that is, that's yeah. true. So let's just put all the other hotels out of business and... Whatever. This parcel of land at Cermak and Calumet is in the city's second ward, that is under the old ward boundaries, and in the third ward under the new boundaries that will go into effect completely next year. Speaking of the second ward, the city council vote to approve this TIF deal was 46 in favor and three against. I'm surprised that second ward alderman Bob Fioretti, who's part of the Progressive Reform Caucus, voted yes on this measure. Are you? No. This was one of those votes that showcase all the things that are wrong with how we handle TIF measures uh, in general, where they're treated as like they're zoning matters. So the local alderman who was championing the cause, Pat Dahl, went to her council mates and said, I voted for your TIF proposals in the past. You have to vote for mine. And so they went along with it. Largely. So it's simply bowing to Alderman prerogative, right. even though it's in the new ward boundaries and not in Fioretti's yeah. existing second ward boundaries. That's a whole other issue, which I think we've discussed at some point. We'll talk yeah. about it again, yeah. I'm sure. In your article, you point out that as soon as government takes control of the land that we're talking about, it becomes exempt from property taxes. Here's an interesting twist on that, which you wrote about last December in an article titled, Here's the Latest Proposal to Spend TIF Money in an area that doesn't need it. In that article, you wrote about the opposite situation, where there's public land in a TIF district and the city hands it over to a private developer. So the land starts generating property taxes, which it didn't before because it was government land. Those property taxes are completely withheld from taxing bodies for the life of the TIF district because of the way TIF works. Could you explain that to our listeners? Why it yeah. doesn't generate any taxes for the taxing bodies? The way it works is this. When a TIF is created, the amount of taxes that flow to the taxing bodies are frozen at what they were roughly, frozen at whatever level they were when the TIF was created. So if the property was generating $10,000 in taxes for the, you know, to, to be divided between the schools, the parks, the city, the county, that's what all those entities will get for 23 years. It's frozen at 10 grand. So as the property increases in value and the property taxpayer pays more in taxes, that increment, hence the name increment, that extra property tax goes to the TIF coffers. If there is no property tax being paid, zero, zero then all the yield goes to the property tax. Because there's nothing but increment. There wasn't anything there to begin with. Exactly. And so when the map makers, this, this is a whole art to creating a TIF district whereby the map makers gerrymander the 
boundaries so they exclude developed land that's already paying high property taxes and include undeveloped land or relatively undeveloped land. The best thing to have would be a city parking lot that pays no property taxes and there's nothing built on it. So as soon as you build something on it, all the property taxes go to the TIF. So you're maximizing the increment based on the properties you cherry pick. Very good. Thus defeating the whole concept that you need a TIF to stimulate development because if you have to gerrymander the boundaries of the TIF to exclude already developed land, then you've sort of defeated your argument that that area needs a subsidy. I would argue that this very much falls into the category of the South Loop as we know because we did our bike ride and we rode all around the area and we saw parts of it that were undeveloped, like a vacant lot, parts of it that were... Uh, beautiful new apartment development. Beautiful new apartments. So the free market libertarian in me says if we had just let the market alone, eventually all that land would have been developed. It's a very profitable area. But instead, we're rushing in to... Um, <laughs> this is the dumbest plan, really. We're buying it up. So it will never yield property taxes for us. And so we're spending money to lose money. On that note, Ben, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, David. Listeners, we welcome your questions and suggestions via Facebook and Twitter. Search for Inside Chicago Government. I'm Dave Glowatz. Thanks for listening.